to the Skeptic Wire. February 2014, episode 150 of The Skeptic Wire. I'm your host, Caroline, and with me this week are Donald Swafford. Yes, I am here by miracle. And Greg Pride. Three little maids from school are we? No. <laughs> oh, okay. Maids, huh? You know, you know what makes a maid? Not having had sex. Uh, yeah, that leaves me out. <laughs> Depends on what time frame you're looking at here. <laughs> well, I did, I did, there was the rumor going around that if you hadn't had sex for a year, you were effectively a virgin again. Okay. Well, that's, that's some that's crazy nice. shit there. Exactly. Yeah. So how's everybody's week this week? Okay. Excellent. Yeah. Mine was, mine was fantastic. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah, I, I, I got a, uh, no, wait. A medical procedure? Yes, I had a medical c procedure. You know, you know that Saturday Night Live skit called Colon Blow? <laughs> okay. That's... I didn't think we were going to talk about this on the show. Get yeah, ready no, for I... all these jokes, folks. Well, I'm, I'm at the age where you get to start to have interesting internal procedures such as a colonoscopy or a colonoscopy or however they a say colon it. Did you get like the super volcanic colonoscopy? <laughs> Uh, what? I don't even know what that means. <laughs> uh, well, no. So, so the one the with deal. a lot of flow, I guess, well, yeah. is so, what she's going for. So I had I had to have prep. Everyone calls it prep, uh, <laughs> which means that you basically have to clear out your body, clear out your intestines. So I had like this gallon of a horrible, horrible liquid, which tasted vaguely lime-like. Uh, <laughs> you know, vaguely lime-like. Yeah, but, yeah. It, so kind of like Seven Up. No, not even, <laughs> not even, not even on that level. But it was. Wait kind a minute, of weird. they're not sponsoring us this week. No, okay, we're good. <laughs> so, so I was told it tastes terrible, and and the fact is, it doesn't actually taste terrible. It just feels terrible. It's it's very, uh, what's the word? Like high pH, like like so, like soft water. How soft water feels when you when you wash in soft water. Like, like you can't get the soap off. Yeah, it, that's how it tastes. And it's just horrible, and <laughs> and I was fine. I had to take like eight ounces every twenty minutes of this stuff, right? And so I was good up until the last four, when I just felt like I was going to hurl. <laughs> so yeah, so I had to clean myself up, and I wasn't allowed to eat from Sunday night until Wednesday afternoon, Wednesday evening. Wow. Yeah, I had a liquid diet up until I started prepping. At four o'clock on Monday and then Tuesday, I went in for the thing, which they pushed back by two hours. <laughs> and you were just craving a granola bar by that I point. I was pretty hungry. It took <laughs> it took all my strength not to. I, I kept on seeing, you know, oh, I could have some Sprite. No, I can't have any Sprite. I'm not supposed to drink anything. But then the cool thing is they anesthetized me. They put me out, actually. So it wasn't like a local anesthetic. You were asleep. I was out. And they, they put it in the uh, in one of those veins of my hand. Like a little IV thing. Yeah. Little, okay. Yeah, through, through the IV. And... How did that feel? Was that... Well, the IV was okay, but when they put this stuff in, it starts with a D. I don't remember what it's called. But it, it was acidic. 
And so you, f- you feel it go into your hand and you feel it go up your arm. And then as it gets you know closer to your heart and your head, it starts prickling and then it starts tingling and then out, just out. And then I woke up and they said, hey, everything's, everything's fine. You're clean. Yeah, yeah I'm totally Squeak. clean. This ass is clean. Exactly. <laughs> so... <laughs> Okay, I'm tired, but that's fucking hilarious. Donna appreciated the movie reference. Okay. Well, not not just the ass, all the way up to my stomach. So, all of that area. Right. I'm I'm in good shape. I I know sometimes... All of your plumbing is in working order. I know sometimes they'll do those tests with a camera in the mouth or a camera in the behind. Right. And you you pray to whatever gods you believe in that they're not using the same camera on both. (laughs) Right. Well, interestingly enough, <laughs> I went to a talk today from a UT professor, and uh, he was talking about non-invasive medical equipment. And one of the things he was talking about was swallowing a pill that has cameras on both ends of the pill. So it's actually a very small, small pill, and that is supposed to replace the c- c- colonoscope, <laughs> <laughs> which, which would be nice. That would be pretty neat, and it would give you a beginning-to-end picture pretty well. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, but the in- other interesting thing... That- the question is, do they have to recover it, or is it like a radio frequency download thing? Well, no, it's RF. So you, you wear a pack, and it, and it sends RF frequency through your stomach and intestines, and then it captures pictures, t- p- t- uh, captures 30,000 pictures over the 24 like hours it takes. Whatever. Every 10 seconds or something like that, yeah, or whatever. Whatever it is, yes. And then they sort of make a movie out of it. So probably um, single use only. Yeah, my guess is uh, it goes down the toilet. Kind of like this show right now. Yeah. <laughs> but, but here's the interesting thing uh, besides that, uh, as I'm sure everyone cares. First of all, lost five pounds. <laughs> <laughs> In what manner? <laughs> Over the last three days. <laughs> Was it the starving yourself or the emptying yourself out? The emptying. Emptying. Ah. Emptying of the bowels brought me five pounds of freedom? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. But then my health insurance company called me this afternoon. So apparently this is what I think. And they said, stop it. Yeah. Gary, stop whatever you're doing. Pretty much. Because I've already reached my deductible now by mid-February. So they're probably looking at me going, oh. They, and they don't know what precisely what I've done. Because the the person, the nurse I was talking to, wasn't aware that I knew all about my blood. You just hit a financial trigger. Yeah. And so they're like, hey, check out all the free stuff we have uh, to help so you don't have to go to the doctor necessarily. You can, like, if you feel sick, you can call an, you know, a registered nurse and talk to them on the phone and tell them what, what's been happening. And maybe they'll just tell you that it's the flu or whatever and you or a cold and so you don't have to go into the doctor. So obviously you're trying to, to save money. But one thing they said is if I have a uh, blood pressure cuff to check my blood pressure, which I do, they said, she said, uh, if that goes out, don't go out and buy a new one or return it. We'll send you a new one. Oh. So that's pretty cool. And the other thing is they have a, a lot of incentives to stay healthy. So they have a whole bunch of preventative medicine type things that they will do for free. So I can sign up for this program. And if I go through enough of the programs, they'll start giving me stuff. Yeah. I know my company's health insurance program has 
certain elements where if you take the smoking cessation course or you contact a nurse for dietary uh, advice if you're overweight or something, they'll basically take, you know, 50 points off your next health insurance cost or something like that to give you some benefits and incentive to do these kind of programs so they don't have to spend the money, which is... Good for them and good for you. Yeah, exactly. And, and so, so she was like, "Yeah, you know, they're like from two pound weights all the way up to a flat screen TV." Wow, I don't get free so, shit. I, well, I don't. yeah, my health insurance is the better off dead. <laughs> <laughs> so essentially, um, you have to be in a boat race with John Cusack. Something like that. No, that's one crazy summer. Damn it. Yeah, no, I think there's skiing involved in Better Off Dead. Yeah, yeah. it's the where's my two dollars. And... Where's my two dollars? Yeah. All right. So, so I, I gained a point for one movie reference earlier in the show and lost a point for that movie reference. Okay, let so, me keep score. But the point is, I didn't know that my health insurance had this. And so for them calling me and letting me know, I thought I'd pass it on that perhaps your health insurance or health insurance that you get through your company or perhaps your company has these type of incentives that don't cost you anything or well actually it did cost you something you've already paid for them with the insurance <laughs> but you know they're free benefits that you can use so you find out rewards. what you can use to keep yourself healthy exactly so i'm thinking about taking up smoking just so i can quit <laughs> so i can get that point <laughs> that's not how it's supposed to work gary Speaking of how it wasn't supposed to work, sometime last summer, a new listener clued us in on the fact that our first six or so episodes were not appearing on iTunes. And we assumed at the time that there was like a hundred episode limit or something on how many episodes are listed in iTunes. We were wrong. We were so completely and utterly wrong. Apparently the RSS technical file that you're supposed to upload to say what episodes are of the show... Somehow the first six episodes got cut off and um, were not on the list. So the first six episodes didn't appear on iTunes or FeedBinner, I assume. Now that has been restored. So if you really want to go back to our first six experimental episodes. <coughs> no, they don't. <laughs> <laughs> See how far we've come. <laughs> so if you really want that, we have finally corrected it. And... Uh, Thank you for letting us know if there are any problems with our downloads or our RSS feeds. That has happened many a time from listeners saying, uh, something's wrong. Indeed. So that's all fixed. We're all good. Yay! Yay! All right. So do we have a, a birthday? Yes, we have a birthday. <laughs> Thank you, Gary. This person was born February 19th, 1473. Yes, Gary. Wow. This person is dead. Hmm. And this person is easy. Okay, Donna's already got it with no clue. Well, okay, I guess the Galileo? date is kind of a clue. No, you're very close, close though. He is partially why Galileo got in trouble in the first place. Uh, the Pope guy. No. Or, no, no, he was his buddy. Or his rival. Nope. This is not a contemporary of Galileo. Galileo was more like 1600s, right? Something I think. Yeah, like that. that's, that's true. So this is 1493. Yes. There you go. See, I wasn't the only one. <laughs> So not that many clues, and you got it in the first place. I was surprised to know. Oh, yes, congratulations. You're both queens of the podcast. <laughs> Gary, slightly more because he actually said it, but you knew it ahead of time. You've got she, plenty of points, Donna. <laughs> she claims to have known it. <laughs> <laughs> no, if someone was going to think of that strategy, you would have thought of that <laughs> yeah, strategy about six months ago. <laughs> One thing I was surprised to know about Copernicus is mostly his, his day job was in economics and canon law and 
doing kind of religious-y economic Law, stuff. Laws about canons? No, like religious canon oh, law. Like, law. Okay. like Catholic type ah, stuff. Ah, okay. Ecclesiastical law. Um, ah, okay. He had some theories on economics and currency. He was involved in kind of trying to control the local currencies and, and make it work and all that kind of stuff. Did you say ecclesiastical law? Mm-hmm. So it's electronic ecclesiastical law? Like way before the internet was ever invented. I'm impressed. Smart guy, Copernicus. Moving Very visionary. On, he was he also had some training in medicine and knew like five or six different languages and apparently his astronomical work was kind of in his spare time. Hmm. Just when he could fit it in between doing physician work, being Translating Be, poetry. Being and, awesome. Yeah. <laughs> I, the, uh, one of the things I, I find interesting about these characters so far back in our history is they are the people who are essentially getting that low-hanging scientific fruit that you could discover by being a relatively educated person. And observant. W- and observant. And, and essentially kind of like the crazy person in their garage of today they can't figure out any new stuff because it's so specific and you have to have so much extra training, so much specialized equipment to see way For example, astronomers. You had Galileo with a very basic telescope seeing four moons of of Jupiter and saying, oh, look, more moons on Jupiter and doing simple observations of the planets and not even all the planets we know of today. Right, but but taking that observation and applying it to the rest of it, which Copernicus couldn't have seen any of the moons of anything so he just saw the, the you mean other the, than the moon of earth yeah okay yeah and, and most of the equipment that copernicus seemed to have used was more like standard nautical equipment like um compass a compass and and basic telescopes that kind of thing oh, wait, that's not a compass that's a um um oh shiza i know this word no not a compass it's it's the skylab yeah, that the kind sextant? of thing. Sextant. sextant. Yeah. Thank you, Donna. No, Donna's the queen of the podcasts. It's also called a skylab, isn't it? I, I've i always known it as a sextant. Well, no, I know it is a sextant, but I think it's also called a skylab. I could be we'll wrong We'll work this that. out on Google later. <laughs> yeah, not, not skylab that crashed to earth. Um, no. In the 70s, I think it was, but whatever. I thought, it doesn't could matter. Could have been the 80s, I don't know. <laughs> I, don't know I don't know anything anymore. Moving forward. Moving forward, the the last thing I wanted to bring up about Copernicus is, especially what you said earlier that you thought it was Galileo. Apparently, when Copernicus was really working on his idea of the heliocentric model of the solar system and slash the universe, he took like 30 or 40 years to finally publish this thing. And it was published like the month before he died or something like that. But he had shown manuscripts around to different people, including people involved with the Catholic Church. And people up to the Pope said, hey, this is an interesting idea. Keep at it. Maybe you should publish this. So in his time, his ideas were weird, I guess, because everybody thought that there were the celestial spheres and Earth was at the center and that the biggest sphere was just the stars and they just went really, really quickly around the Earth and all that kind of stuff. Everything was the firmament, the crystal spheres and all that. It's not that he was accepted during his time, because obviously that didn't happen with Galileo, but it wasn't so controversial. There were plenty of people who said, no, no, Copernicus, you're wrong. And they essentially argued with things like that, the book of Joshua, the battle of, was it uh, Gideon or Gibson or something like that, where Joshua prayed to have the sun stop in the sky? Uh, I believe it's the battle of Gideon. Yeah, okay. 
Good. I was kind of right. Because, because guitar part. makers were never in the Bible. <laughs> as far as we know. As far as we know, yeah. yeah. They would use those kind of biblical arguments to say, no, Copernicus and therefore Galileo, this is why you're wrong. We should, it, everything should be in line with biblical law. But it seemed that at least the Pope of Copernicus's time really wasn't so bothered by this idea. It was like, oh, this is fascinating. It's nice math. Keep going. So that was, that was, that was interesting to me that, uh, this guy of the Catholic faith with a Catholic job and sending his stuff to Catholic popes and bishops and all that, they were like, yeah, okay, cool. So the, the history of Christianity isn't all horribleness. No. There were some good people there. Yeah. And that's true. It's mainly people, not so much institutions that are good. Yeah. Except for Google. Do no evil. Ha, ha, ha. Anyway. Oh, by the way, Copernicus was also the name of Doc Brown's for dog in Back to the Future. Yep. Okay, Gary scores one point for that movie reference. <laughs> also Einstein. Go ahead. Uh, yeah, I thought it was Einstein. No, I, Einstein in the 80s, but Copernicus in the 50s. Oh, okay. <laughs> so, Copernicus is the birthday. Yeah. Happy birthday, Copernicus. Yeah, that's apparently one of the things that throughout his life he didn't really spell his name the same way more than once i understand a lot of people didn't yeah, yeah. Uh, um, william shakespeare for shakespeare example. is a, the big one known for that yeah sometimes it, 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 he eventually the the nicholas copernicus is the latinized version because he did all his scientific work in latin because that was the hip thing to do of the day that was the english of the day sure yeah that was the common language, but uh, there's there's controversies of whether he was German or Polish or Prussian or whatever, because those countries that they had back then don't exist today. So but people definitely can't... not from the Far East. No, not so much. Okay, so or South America, right? But he probably didn't do yoga. No, he did not do yoga. In fact, I'm pretty sure yoga mats weren't even around then. But he did probably eat bread. Ah, probably yes. He may, he may have broke bread with... Um, the Pope. Sure. He did do some training in Italy, so maybe he, in passing, might have met the Pope, but probably just, like, bishops and stuff like that. All right. But we're going way off track for a really kind of lame transition. Yes, it was a lame transition. <laughs> for but a lame story. It accomplished its purpose. Yes, so uh, in the last week or so, I have seen several of my more hippy-dippy friends exclaiming very happily on Facebook that Subway is going to remove the chemical as oh, azodicarbonamide. Azodicarbonamide. Yes, it's it's a long word for essentially what is a, in the bread-making process, a uh, flour-bleaching agent and, quote, improving agent which may help with making the bread fluffy as it bakes. But the same chemical is also used in the production of plastics as a quote-unquote blowing agent. Pause for laughter. Ha ha ha! But essentially is used in things like synthetic leathers and yoga mats for making it more springy and puffy. Like when, bread. Yeah, well... <laughs> In the yoga mats, it's cooked at a higher, different temperature or something like that. And essentially, as the 
<sighs> Azodicarbonamide breaks down into its component parts. It breaks down into gases, which makes it okay, I think it's fluffy. Azodicarbonamide, because it's ADA is the is the thing, and not that's not the Americans with the Disabilities Act. I'm just gonna call call it Azo from now on. There you go. Because yeah, I always get in trouble when trying to pronounce something. Like words. <laughs> yes, like words. <laughs> There was this blogger on the foodbabe.com website, which is Vanny Hari, which I thought was a World War II spy, but I guess I was wrong. Um, she... uh, that would be the brother. Oh, okay. Or a brother or sister of Mahdi Hari. Ah, uh, there you go. So uh, Vanny Hart over at foodbabe.com has been very vehement about saying that this this is a horrible chemical that it should never be used in bread because it's used in yoga mats or synthetic leather making. You know what else is used in uh, yoga mats and leather making? Water. Yeah, I was. that was the exact <laughs> example I was going to use. Ah, okay. But yeah, exactly. I don't know enough about chemistry to fully know how bad of a chemical this really is. We did get some feedback from one of our listeners who is a chemist or a chemistry teacher on the whole nicotine and its breakdown substances discussion a few weeks. So maybe she'll send us an email letting us know what the real chemistry of this is. But basically what I could find on Wikipedia and other articles, like there's a Steve Novella article about this, where mostly just Novella rants about this blogger and how... Um, yeah, because how... the bloggers, excuse me, a fucking idiot. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. She's one of those that... Oh, you shouldn't eat something unless you can pronounce it. You know, and I just want to go, can you pronounce dihydrogen monoxide? <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, the, one of the big <sighs> positions that she takes on why this chemical should not be used in any breads, specifically Subway, which is kind of weird because almost all the fast food chains use it in some of their breads. But Subway's healthy. Right. Yeah. Subway is healthy and Subway... They push a certain look and a certain image. Very fresh vegetables and meats right. and lean menus. And, and that's one of her things is the vegan diet. So she's all about, oh, look, get rid of all of this shit. Aren't, aren't eggs used in making bread? Not Why necessarily. Would she... But ADA doesn't, it doesn't, uh, isn't made from animal parts. Exactly. But <laughs> she's, she's one of those of you should only buy organic don't support GMOs. Monsanto is going to kill us. Urgh, GMOs. People are going to grow eyes out of their belly buttons. Yeah. Cool. Shit like that. And uh, so she definitely has a predisposition against anything quote unquote chemical. Yes. And also, I don't understand a lot of chemistry myself because I've only had very basic level of it. But she doesn't seem to understand kind of the dose level response issue going on here. Because one of the things she really harps on is I think there was a, a truck spill in Chicago some 10 years ago. And it was carrying this azochemical. Something like the, the freeway got shut down and they were talking about residents stay inside and all that kind of stuff. And she scaremongers this into, see, see, Chicago was going to shut down because there was a chemical spill of this. So why is this in our bread? And there's a big difference between a truck carrying essentially a thousands of gallons of this chemical. Concentrated. Of chemical. concentrated chemical. 
and the upper limit of the Food and Drug Administration in the United States that they'll allow in bread or any food substance is 45 parts per million. That's an incredibly small amount compared to a truck spill. <laughs> so, uh, and it, so doesn't understand that there are substances, if they're, even though at high quantities like mercury would be toxic, but if you have mercury, especially in the metabolizable form, I think it's meth, it's either ethyl or methyl mercury, one of those two. If you have it in the small enough dosage, you're okay. Your body can process this. Oh my God, it's thimerosal! <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, but, I had to get that out because, you know, that's one of the things that we've always argued about is the thimerosal mercury. Right. But the specific thing that this lady is harping on is a, a report uh, that the FDA put out that it's bad for you when you breathe it in. It can cause asthma and stuff like that. But that's not what's happening when you eat a, it. Yeah, you eat it. You have a completely different path that it's going through in your body. Now, if she's so worried about it, then maybe she should, you know, compare it to I don't know, inhaling bread, <laughs> because or that, inhaling flour. No, sure, yeah. you know, something like that, because that would be more akin to where the danger lies in this. The the danger from that study that you're talking about, Gary, was people in industrial facilities that are using the chemical to process things like making yoga mats where it's an industrial level of that product that is being injected and used whatever in the product and it's around them in a closed environment maybe ventilated or whatever but it's much more concentrated kind of like the truck situation right, but, but even in a ventilated area if there's particles in the air right. you're going to breathe it in you're yeah. going to breathe it in I, it's... and uh, so and it, then you get industrial disease yes so it's it has been shown to have some essentially asthmatic-inducing respiratory effect. It doesn't make you drop dead immediately. Now, the flip side of this whole discussion is there hasn't been a lot of research on this chemical or its breakdown substances and its effects on people. But that doesn't necessarily mean because it's got a scary chemical name that Greg can't pronounce that it should be banned. Uh, the the whole dihydrogen and monoxide argument of right, which sort of, it sort of goes back to the yellow number five. No red. There are several yellows and reds that have been banned throughout. Yeah, the days. I'll just say yellow number five because that's, <laughs> that, that sounds right to me. Which they were saying that that there was a risk of cancer when you used it, and so it was banned, and that's why you didn't have. Yellow M and M's. Had to be a red yeah, number five. It was red. It was red. Red M and M's that it was were the red ones number that five. Were, yeah. that were red number banned. Five. <laughs> Hold on, banned. <laughs> Donna, do the microphone scare quotes there. That's right. <laughs> so, but then they figured out. They finally did the testing, and they realized that there's no correlation, and so boom. Yeah. Or sorry, there's there's no causation. It, so whatever there there are, i'm i have to i apologize to the listener <laughs> my brain just is uh apparently that colonoscopy microphone went a little further north than it probably should have and yes. rattled around in your brain yes or since i talk so much out my ass <laughs> <laughs> yeah not going there okay um Apparently, some of the breakdown products that happen if there's a secondary reaction with these azo chemical include things like 
ethyl carbamate, which apparently has been associated with cancerous effects. But again, this is such a small level and I don't know if baking in an oven is enough to produce this other reaction. I don't know if that's just industrial uses that it comes down into that product or what. This is where I, I lose my knowledge of any chemistry because yeah. I don't know what these other substances are. Well, ethyl carbonate can make you bust out into song. Yeah, ethyl mermaid. And swimming. <laughs> but does it give you jazz hands? Could. <laughs> my god this this man has jazz hands <laughs> sorry were you, were you being serious no i was trying to go for a jizz hands joke in there somewhere but maybe uh the the well, guy uh, from uh the uh edward penis hands the porn parody had anyway yeah i don't know where i was going Ethel, with that joke Ethel either marmite Yes, because all the young kids know about Ethel Merman. <laughs> Go watch the airplane movie. <laughs> That's how I remember her. What was she in Airplane? Oh, was, uh, was Airplane 2? Or okay, airplane yeah, one? Say, no, you just, no, she's not in Airplane 1. It's got to be one of the fall ones. She's not in Airplane 1. Because yep, I just saw that the other one. But it was... It was one, still it was, that holds up. It was one of the hospital sequences where one of the other mental patients thought they were Ethel Merman. And That's then, not Airplane... One. So. Then it must have been Airplane 2. Because basically Ethel Merman starts singing and it is actually Ethel Merman, but they put her to sleep with sleepy gas. <laughs> because she's... This is going to be a great podcast. In an insane asylum. <laughs> oh, wait. There, there was an insane asylum portion. Yeah. Ted but Stryker was... Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. But that's, it's in two. It's not in one. No, it's in one. It's in one. You're right. You're absolutely right. I just saw it uh, last week or something. I saw it Monday night, so it's hard to say whether or not I remember. Okay, uh, folks, we're going to have to take a small break where Gary go, uh, Greg goes to his Netflix clue uh, and queue and adds in. <laughs> it's an airplane, so we can watch it, and uh, we'll we'll have the uh, intermission music from uh, Monty Python and the Holy Grail while we go figure this out. Lieutenant Hurwitz, severe shell shock, thinks he's Ethel Merman. You'll be swell, you'll be great, gonna have the whole world on a plate. Starting here, start now, honey, everything's coming up right. War is hell. So there you go. Look, Greg gets another point for his movie reference. You'll be swell. You'll be great. Okay. You'll have the whole world on a plate. That's right. Okay, I, I, just Starting FYI, it's Starting been like 20 now. years since I've seen Aeroplane. Okay. So. Aeroplane. <laughs> All right. And not that stinky uh, Pixar movie. Planes? Planes. Well, have you guys seen... The short, it's called Boats. 
No. Go look it up on Vimeo. And this is this is the life that I live. At one point, one of the guys says, but the poster, it tested well. <laughs> <laughs> and they're like, well, what about a story? Well, it, it says something like basically we'll just rip somebody off. You know? <laughs> I don't think Planes is actually Pixar. I think that's Disney. Which is owns. Well, I know Cars no, was no, Pixar, they, so maybe Cars was Pixar, since but, they, but Disney they owns it, and maybe this is not really important. And Donna has to leave in an hour. I know, and yet you are still both googling. God damn yes. right. <laughs> it's Disney. Yep. But Disney owns Pixar, so no, maybe there's they don't. confusion not anymore. They not anymore. No, they huh. split. Am I correct in that? Doesn't matter. Let's move on. Moving on. So. Long story short, if you want to go read up the little Wikipedia article on azodicarbonamide. <laughs> Azocarbon? <laughs> so it's something you order at a Mexican restaurant. I had to write out the syllabization how to pronounce it Azodicarbonamide. There you go. Look up that on Wikipedia. Maybe go find Steve Novella's neurological blog on it. You will probably have done more research on this than Vanihari did before she wrote her article and just essentially took headlines from studies, probably off of somewhere like Natural News, to say this is a scary chemical. So she got 50,000 people plus to say this should be banned. Subway should take it out of their, their sandwiches. And Subway has bowed to that pressure to a little blogger with probably some support with things like natural news. I was going to say, she is to food blogging what natural news is to, I don't know, Everything real medicine. Else. Yes. <laughs> yeah, but I was going to say, she's kind of a little blogger that could. She's like, you know, I don't think I can. I don't think at all. I can. I don't think at all. I can. <laughs> Anyway. But she has gotten a lot more traffic now that she's gotten this. True, but she's had she's had traffic for a while. Yeah. Okay, but it's, it's but quite it, like, possible doubled because of that. The natural thing. news kind of pushed stuff towards her because I'm sure that they probably mentioned her. Yeah, yeah, I did Google natural news and the azo chemical and or Subway bread, and they were fully touting, fully behind. Oh this whole hell thing. yes! Well, you know that's because natural news is in all of our news feeds because apparently, according to the slate, we should read natural news but no 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 that's but not what was, they said the, yeah exactly <laughs> it was nice of slate to finally get on board and write something about it so yeah and, and you know what i have to say this so they write a, a news piece called natural news is a facebook hit never click on it stories about cancers vaccines conspiracies and it's a nice little snarky piece i will give them that man they they i love it but they never – really, it kind of explained why Facebook is promoting a lot of the natural news stuff other than it's a case of, I guess, a lot of people sharing it. No, it's – yeah, it's not the company Facebook right. that has anything to do with it. It's just your idiot fucking friends, your hippy-dippy, yeah. you know, natural, you know, clean, no toxins kind of friends who are – you know, you, the the people who you back from your Grateful Dead days you did not want to hang out with are the ones who keep posting it on Facebook. Right. And you just want to, like I said, kind of go find your Steve Novella article and just hit reply and say, here, just read this instead. No, no, won't read it. No. No, because, <laughs> but maybe because someone else it's, will. it's big pharma and big vaccine and big food and big Monsanto and big, 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 and big, big, big quackery. Right, right, it's and natural news is big quackery. That is 
the best way to describe it. But like I said, they, they actually do this article on Slate talks about some of the most common ones that are being shared from natural news. Like right. eating lemons is going to save you from cancer. Quack. <laughs> and they do and, a pretty good job of right. breaking it down of why someone thought this in the first place and then just went running with it. So the writer from Slate. That would be Brian Palmer. Brian Palmer starts deconstructing the argument. And he says, you know, one of the studies that the writer on Natural News says that Kumarans will, which is apparently found in a lemon peel, will help. They exhibit tumor suppressing properties. He also says, even if the oral ingestion of Kumarans were convincingly shown to fight cancer in laboratory animals, we still wouldn't know how much lemon peel would be required for a human to experience the same effects or whether or not you could even tolerate the dose. Right, because right, you, you start out with essentially putting these coumarins in a Petri dish with cancer cells. Right, and that and that's the article that the natural news author stole from. Right. right. And then he cites another one that natural news has cited, which has, you know, once again, one of the things that we always talk about is check your sample size. And it's 242 cancer survivors, 228 controls but apparently only 163 of the total 470 participants reported eating citrus peel and only 28 of them admitted to eating a citrus peel often which as he states it's not enough to prove it and if one person if one of those people got cancer it blows the whole fucking study yep and plus often is not a technical term right it's <laughs> It, it wasn't a blindly controlled study where they said, here are these pills of lemon peel that you're going to take, and we're going to find out if your cancer is better. Right. It was uh, a self-reported study, and one of the questions was, do you eat citrus peel often? Not very often. Not at all. And so often is just, was defined in this study as 50 to 75% of the time. And as Mr. Palmer properly points out, what what does that mean? What does 50 to 75% of the time mean? Of what time? <laughs> of the time that you eat peels? Of the time you eat lemons? Of, of, of how often do you eat lemons? And of the times you eat lemons, do you eat the peel? Does that what it often means? So, if, listener, if you're confused <laughs> by what Je Gary just said in the last minute, think of how the subjects of the study were confused. Yeah. Confusing right. language. You have not a controlled study, and it's just a survey of what people remember. And it's small numbers, and it's a small little kind of, let's see if there's maybe a small blip in the activity kind of study that was probably touted around in the news as, oh, this is the next wonderful thing, where the authors said, this is only a tiny little barely perceptible p-value or whatever. Let's do further study, and nobody did any further study. But Natural News says, this this means you should have lemon peel all the time. Right. And Lemon zest. And the writer from Slate also talks about... Is that your stripper name, Gary? <laughs> no, that's what keeps the brain going in Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Uh, the movie. Okay. Not any of the previous... Was that from the... Uh, the, the latest movie. The drink, the... Um... Nope. Well, no, although a lemon... lemon Pangalactic Gargle is, Blaster. Yeah, a lemon is in the Pangalactic Gargle Blaster, but Zephod Beeblebrox is kept with his... With, his, with lemon zest. Huh. 
um, in the movie. Anyway, yeah. sorry. More movies. You, yeah, you lose a point for that one. <laughs> it's my oh. game. Fuck you. And they do talk about, he, you know, he goes further on and he, he talks about some of the other stuff that uh, natural news does very often. And he basically points out a natural news is, is very anti-government, you know, this whole propaganda about, you know, people who grow their own food are going to be labeled extremists. And he actually went back and read the Department of Defense training manuals. And it, at no point does it said this, you know. So he points out that natural news is very Liars. notorious for... You make a statement, but then it's like answering the question. They don't answer the question that was posed. They sort of move around the goalposts. Yeah, well, they, they pose leading questions, and then they answer them in a leading manner, in a propagandical manner. Propagandical? <laughs> sure. Uh, We're making up new words again. They, but but as, as, as we've spoken about before, if you, if you do go to a national news site, there, it's chock full of links. But the only links, links are usually to natural news. Yeah, articles. they link back to natural news. The only time you ever find the link is if the study does actually say what they say it says, and then they'll finally link to the study. But if 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 you click on a link that says, "Oh, well, here's here's our link to the study," it'll link to something else about the study, but not the actual study, which which is very annoying. Which is why I find arguing on the internet with true believers and stuff so annoying uh, mm -hmm. and why I don't do it anymore <laughs> you know because a lie can travel around the world before the truth puts on its shoes right and that's exactly so that's exactly what natural news does that it, it looks it gives at uh, the appearance like the creation museum gives the appearance of of being knowledgeable and forthright but in fact it's just it's not. bad science and yeah. unfortunately they couch it all in the motivation of we want you all to be healthy and alive where maybe i mean maybe some cases there are some writers who are just deluded and uninformed maybe some of them are full out quacks or trying to make a buck or something but the unfortunate part is they speak with such confidence it's like having your amplifier on your guitar always turned up to 10 because there's no variance in volume. It's always, we are completely and utterly sure about everything we we're honestly saying. Sure. And and yet, if when you look at their claims, uh, especially the conspiratorial claims about big pharma and, and science and everything, they, they fall flat uh, when you take a step back and think about it. Because they, one of the things that Adams, whatever his name is, Natural News Boy. Mike Adams? <laughs> sure. Sure. <laughs> I really don't give a shit what his name is. Um, one of the things he claims is that the government, they never crack down on big pharma. You know, if a pharmaceutical company goes wrong, you never hear about that. But you're always hearing about them cracking down and, and they're shutting down supplements and they're shutting down the herbal news. And that's absolutely not true right. just go into your local drugstore and take a look <laughs> at how many freaking supplements they have in there usually it's an entire wall yeah <laughs> or a couple of a couple of aisles or, or and they're mixed in sometimes with the vitamins and all that stuff it's just or worse yet homeopathy yeah and so it's a total total lie a blatant yeah. lie where at the same time they'll ignore the fact that there's a lot of pharmaceutical products that never make it anywhere near market because they do some basic in petri dish tests and say, 
oops, that didn't work. Or maybe even they get to animal testing and oops, it didn't work. Or even they get as far as human testing and they find it doesn't do anything or it has too many side effects and the pharmaceutical companies stop at that point. Well, it, it sometimes get beyond that because it may go through all of the trials and is released and then people start having heart attacks. It's because, like FenFen. Yeah. FenFen yeah. is a prime example of that. Or, or, or you get actual medicines that are proved to be safe and effective who are mixed in those mixing pharmacies. I can't remember what they're called, but yeah. they've been in the news a lot lately. We'll of, call them pestle houses. Sure. <laughs> These pestle houses where they mix custom drugs for you because it's it doesn't make sense for Big Pharma to make that many of those pills. Right. Or you need a custom blend for your special condition or whatever. And... Sometimes there are contaminants put in, and there are people clamping down on that na now, saying these need to be more safe. They need to have more controls. They need to be regulated. regulated. Exactly. So there is a lot of attention paid to this, all the drug industry, to make sure that it is safe and effective, whereas with the supplements that places like Natural News are always touting, and probably have a link where you can buy them, they do. Are, are not not required to be proven safe or effective most of the time they're fairly harmless just expensive well they, well they can't they can't make claims yeah which is what he natural news boy goes on about is oh you can't you know they'll clamp down on you if you say it cures cancer that's because <clears throat> cancer isn't one thing right <laughs> they they talk about cancer or asthma or you know these things as you know there's there's one way you know but these chemicals are going to make it worse or everything else. So if you cure it the natural way, it's all naturalistic fallacy mm -hmm. being thrown around. Because is natural. natural is better. <laughs> there is nothing in those drugs that isn't technically natural, though. I mean, yes, they are, yeah. they are part plants and chemicals put together in such a way that it reacts well with your brain chemistry or your blood or, or whatever there's nothing it's supernatural still, involved right it's it's not like we're out mining you know for spice on on it's not arrakis or something. <laughs> you, you don't know that and and these are the same people who will basically shout to the rafters about that azo bread slash yoga mat chemical that we talked at the beginning of the show because it's a chemical because it's got a long scary sounding name where at the same time this chemical is two carbons four hydrogens four nitrogens and two oxygens there those yeah, are the that, basic that building blocks of, in it in some of the human body form. that yes in a certain arrangement a chemical can have can fit a lock that does something weird but it's not like there's an exotic plutonium atom in the middle of this that makes it chemical scary. Yes, it may have weird breakdown products that might do something, but it's not It's not this weird product from, like you said, the, the Spice it's Mines of Arrakis. It's not Soylent Green. Well, even that, that's just people. Good point. And people are mostly carbon, hydrogen, oxygen, and nitrogen. <laughs> so, I mean... It, and poo. It's it's a lot of scaremongering. Not you anymore. And we <laughs> just got that. Okay. Um, <laughs> there's some news stories about uh, poo transplant repositories that they're uh, storing. Yeah. Poop. Yeah, and it appears to be an effective way to get your your yeah. body's flora back. Apparently, they're not taking new volunteers for donations. 
shucks. <laughs> but uh, that that might be helpful now that you've been all cleaned out of your natural flora and I fauna. I asked about that, and it doesn't really totally clean you out, and it should. they said it should come back, and I'm taking uh, probiotics anyway. Like so the idea fine. that your appendix is a repository for some of those kind of things to yes, store it Yes, they said I should get case. psychic power any, any day now. <laughs> no, no, they didn't. That was the voices in my head. Anyway. <laughs> but... Yeah, I mean, it's an interesting read for, I mean, those of us who have been involved in organized skepticism for any amount of time have heard of natural news. And some of these things like the whole uh, Wakefield vaccine study that they go into in this article with not a lot of detail, but enough to understand why it was a problem that this this vaccine autism link does not exist. It's a good primer that maybe you can share with your your friends on Facebook to say, don't take natural news as a source of new of actual health news, but also kind of maybe your vaguely skeptical friends. You want to try to bring them in well, with a primary. They can read something like this. Well, you know, this is this is the I guess the big complaint that I have with uh, the article from Brian Palmer. He says at the end, but when your friends post this, natural news gets a lot of shares, and that's their big thing. Is that they most articles are getting a five figure share. I mean, over 10,000 people sharing it. And some of them have gone into six figures. That's a lot of people sharing bullshit. And he says, you know, respond, put bogus in there. And you know, you're going to help your friends descent into insanity. First off, no, you're not <laughs> They're They're probably going to be like, Arr, you're wrong. You're just a shill for big pharma. Kind of like the vaccine argument I got in with in a week or so ago with some of my Facebook friends. Oh, I missed that. Sorry. I mean, I, instead of saying a simple bogus, my favorite thing to put in there is citation needed. You know, <laughs> when they start saying, oh, look, eating this exotic fruit from Canabera is going to stop your cancer cells from growing. Citation needed. Right, but at the same time, it does – I think it's sometimes even more of a convincing argument if you do the 30 seconds of Wikipedia researching to say, no, this azodicarbonamide chemical is not the most horrible thing in the entire world. Yes, it is used in this processing, but it's got this small content in the bread, and it's not this vaporized industrial form. Therefore, it is not the scary thing you think it is. If you can couch that – and have the time to do that, that might be a little bit more effective than, unfortunately, the simplest way of the snark of just saying either what the article suggested bogus or what Donna suggested, which is a little bit more fun and thought-provoking, hopefully, of the citation-needed thing. But we just don't have the time. It is, it is so tiresome to do the research ourselves and couch it in a very polite way so that it doesn't seem like you're trolling. Exactly. And it's really difficult not to be that asshole and say, no, fuck you. You're wrong. Vaccines are safe. Your kids are going to die. Yeah, but <laughs> trolls don't actually say that. No, they don't necessarily want to help you. They just want to see the world burn like a joker. Pretty much. And in fact, a study came out recently, a psychology paper from the University of Manitoba, Winnipeg, and British Columbia. Which proved or shows that online uh, trolls are sadistic and Machiavellian 
And what's really cool is they show symptoms of the dark tetrad and the dark triad, <laughs> which I think is really cool. Yeah, the Dark Triad. I want to be a part of the Dark Triad. <laughs> and I have been I have been working on that. You know, you send in your application. <laughs> they tell you, look, we still need that twenty nine ninety five fee. You haven't paid that. You send Well, according send to this paper the check that they cash. Those of us like you and me who occasionally get into that Facebook argument where you're seen as the troll, sometimes I guess if we're doing this argument we might have some elements of Machiavellianism, narcissism, psychopathy. Psychopathy. Psychopathy or sadism because not I, only do people who identify as trolls have a correlation with those dark tetrad qualities, but also just people who get involved in internet debates have a small cor positive correlation I would, with these neg with quote unquote negative effects. I would say definitely the sadism part because you just <laughs> want to just beat your fucking head against your computer when you're hearing. I'd say that's more masochism than sadism. Sadism is more other people suffering. Yeah, and so I, I, I disagree with, uh, with arguing on the internet in and of itself. Be, I know the correlation, they, they show the correlation, but. It's a much smaller correlation. Uh, yeah, very much so. But it, I mean. It's it's not just a matter of I have to be right. It's it's a matter of trying to get the other person to right. understand that they are wrong, and that's that's a different right. It, it, and so by by them pooling that in, it's all in the way you ask the question. Well, <laughs> yeah the 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 qualities that they use to discern if people have these negative qualities like narcissism and Machiavellianism or something like that are asking, essentially, they, they asked various subjects and they did two different versions of the study, somewhere upwards of around 100 different questions from various different personality scales slash survey in an versions. Online, in an online uh, que uh, uh, right. questionnaire. What? Thank you. Some of the studies were done with online participants from the Amazon's Mechanical Turk website, whatever the fuck that is. But some of them were done on Psych 101 students. Yeah. But, the, but, but the Mechanical Turk website is one where you can create your own questionnaire. Okay. And uh, in fact, I read a couple of things because I was trying to figure out what the dark triad was, <laughs> which I think is just the dark tetrad minus one. Yes. Uh, but another study that was done in 2011 used uh the turk one as okay. well so apparently this is a common tool that yeah. is used because it's essentially just paying people like 50 cents a survey to participate in these kind of things and the reason why i got into this in in discussing this project is gary when you said it depends on what questions you ask so some of the things that determine if people were sadists were things like hurting people is exciting or I enjoy hurting people, which are on these different scales that they use, the varieties of statistics uh, tendencies scale, or the um, the short dark triad scale, that kind of thing. It's not hurting if you don't leave marks. <laughs> but there are other questions that involved were involved in these, I'm just going to let that one go, that were involved in these scales that were indicators for these personality traits that could be considered one way or the other. Like in video games, I like realistic blood sports or um, 
I have been compared to famous people being a comparison for narcissism. So it may be some of those kind of those questions that normally are associated with sadism or, or Machiavellianism that those people who like to get involved in these internet arguments also clicked yes on, which is why there is a small correlation Could be. with these effects. So I, and, and the one thing that internet commenters did not correlate with, but the trolls did correlate with was narcissism. The narcissism being the, it's about me quality. Sure. And a lot of times the trolls want to do it because it's a, they, they want the focus of attention on them and they want to be the one who screwed up the skeptic comment thread or something like that. Or even want to be the one that screwed up the online survey. Because <laughs> that's, that's okay, yeah, one of the that things is that a good I was point. totally thinking about is a troll could go in and... But the, and the thing, purposely the, skew the, yeah, the trolling survey. <laughs> absolutely. But, but the thing is that they wouldn't necessarily come off as being narcissistic because you'd think that they would go with the nice thing. If they were going to troll the survey... You'd think they go the opposite way of what they are. On the other hand, they could also just go all the way in. Oh, sure, I love uh, Nazi Germany. My favorite, my favorite period of time. It was one of those things where <laughs> people know? judge these on a scale of like one to five or one to seven. Yeah. So it could have been either the the nature of the questions that people trolled it, or the willingness to go up to that level five or level seven or turn it all the way up to 11 on their Machiavellianism kind of sure. thing that maybe that did skew it, but it does the, the main point with this whole article of, of these studies is it's not surprising. It really isn't surprising that someone who has Machiavellian tendencies of wanting to manipulate other people does this kind of trolling behavior. It's not surprising that people who lack empathy or remorse, which is the psychopathy are, are the kind of people who do trolling. And oftentimes these surveys, they've got so many questions mixed in. It may not be the 100 or so questions from the surveys, these, these personality surveys or the, how much do you enjoy trolling may have just been one of 500 questions that it's hard to tell what is being studied here. And usually that's what a good psychological study will do and not just have the 100 questions from the personality survey, but mix that in with another few hundred questions to obfuscate what's going on. So yeah, unfortunately the actual article that we did get into the actual study article didn't go into quite that much detail on all the questions were used. It just said the various scales that they used to indicate whether or not trolling was an inherent trait of that person. They actually invented their own scale called the Global Assessment of Internet Trolling Scale, GATE. Of course. <laughs> in, in creating this report that they found was pretty damn highly correlated with those dark tetrad qualities, specifically on the sadism scale. The, uh, the, the idea of wanting to go in and put in comments that would hurt someone else did really match well with the idea of, of trolling. I mean, I've been accused of being a troll even on my own page when <laughs> I've posted something and somebody, you know, is all, I don't trust the FDA. And, yeah. It's, it's a fine line because in this situation, in these studies, 
people were self-identifying as trolls. Right. Now, my question is, is that if you argue back and you're using, you know, citations to back up your argument, is that trolling or is that correcting? <laughs> no, no. Tro trolling is a very specific thing, and that's derailing a topic and then uh, trying to get it to – to, uh, to, uh, to devolve into, into straw man arguments and, and, and yelling and personal insults, and personal insults, yeah, or, so, or hitting those yeah. triggers on people, right. just it's making basically changing the the subject of what you're talking about yeah. to whatever the troll, usually to cussing and finally down to um, argumentum ad Hitlerium. Yeah, <laughs> well, you know, once in a while I will be all like, "Fuck you, your ideas stink," and. <laughs> Everything else. But that's someone that, who disagrees with you th basically hurling trolling at you to try to be yeah. insulting and poisoning the well. Yeah. But I really wish that people would appreciate how much I don't argue on the internet <laughs> because I work with actors and I am sorry. I <laughs> I just I you know, I turn on Facebook and I read it and I go Really? Really? Yeah. And this those people, is what I deal with today. Those people and, aren't the trolls. Those are the schmucks who will post the natural news articles. Right. And then I'm yeah. I'm trying to very, you know, methodically refute it. Stop trolling me. You're a yeah. big shill. They disagree I'm, with you, so they call you a troll. I want to know when my big pharma check is coming in <laughs> because apparently I'm getting paid a lot and they're just not. Yeah. If, and I think it would be enough to buy my membership into the dark triad. <laughs> If the big shots of skepticism haven't been able to quit their day jobs and do exclusively their podcasts, I don't think we're going to make that much money from the uh, the big whatevers, pharma, big government, big um, cheese. That's all. I, I couldn't think. Big Apple. Uh, the big... Uh, yes. The... Uh, the Big Bean, that's in Chicago. The, the Big Easy? There you go. Right. The Big Halafel. Yeah, but, I mean, the, the thing is that trolls, unfortunately, have become a problem. That's why YouTube and Google have changed their policy on, on um, commenting. Uh, right. Popular science shut down comments on their mm -hmm. things. And I'll admit that I, I do a thing that I... I call trolling, but it's not really trolling. It's usually a snarky comment. I do it to everybody. Ken's five all the time. Yeah, you know what? I saw one of yours the other day. Yeah. I was all like, "Oh, look, that's that's scary." Yeah, but, I know him. But it's, it's usually and I to think make, I liked it. Actually. Yeah, I well, like, it's usually I do it to make a point about something in the article or something that someone said, which hopefully is a humorous point, but also draws attention to the fact that I have either made a mistake or that I agree with them. But I, I you my, haven't done it to basically say fuck you all and drop no, a big bomb. I, yeah, I don't. I don't. And I don't you also cuss. do it so that you don't start yelling at people. Right. Yeah. You have to make a joke, otherwise you'd go crazy. Yeah, pretty much. So, but I call that's my form of trolling, which is generally going to my friend sites and just harassing them, mm -hmm. but in a fun way. Yeah, <laughs> I'll give you that. You're right. you're you've got some pretty snarky comments, but I always giggle. Well, uh, yeah, yeah, so that goes back to my point where people who like to get involved in internet debates, even in a mild form like we do, do have some of those traits that might be associated with especially something like Machiavellianism where it is all about trying to change other people and 
change their ways, change their opinion. It's obviously extremely mild for those of us who don't get off on trolling, but we do feel like we might get some reward of not everybody's going to agree with me, but if I make this point strongly enough, if I find that stiffly worded missive or the snarky comment that gets a few people to change their mind then somehow I have done some good in the world. Well, yeah. And you get some off of that, which is why people who have those, these dark tetrad qualities might have some associations. Well, I will say this, like nine times out of 10, anytime that I get in an argument on Facebook, it is because of vaccinations. (laughs) I am extremely pro vaccination and I make it known, but it's because I have a daughter who for medical reasons, cannot get the pertussis vaccine. I state that clearly, but I will still get any time that I put out something like, oh, this woman who refused the flu, she died and everything else, and go get your vaccines, update your vaccines. Inevitably, I have one friend. Scare quotes. (laughs) Who comes in and it's all about, well, when I was in the military, I got the anthrax shot. I had really bad reactions, blah, 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 blah. FDA isn't going to tell anybody. The military is just a bunch of guinea pigs, blah, 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 blah. But that's true. The military is a bunch of guinea pigs. (laughs) Right. But it's one of these where he goes, well, if I had the choice, if I had children and I had the choice, I wouldn't do it, but they probably need to have them to go into school. And, and I'm like, listen, you're putting not just your kids at risk. You're putting my kid at risk. You are physically putting my child at risk. And I get told, oh, you're just blowing it up out of proportion and everything else. And I'm like, no, no? you understand the science. Right. And I, and I will go in and I have, I have a whole folder of links <laughs> and I will be all like, here you go. Here's your refutation. Here's this, here's that, you know, here's where they, they dismiss the thimerosal. Here is where they, they show that this correlation in outbreaks and and everything else and they and they still go but apparently peer review means big government oh that's not understanding any of the scientific process right and you don't want to know what's funny is this guy has a master's degree (laughs) those fucking masters they don't know shit oh wait (laughs) you don't have your masters yet gary so right i still know everything you're fine But yeah, in those situations, because those people have this deep emotional connection to being anti-vaccine, either through some anecdote or some natural news scare, they think you're trolling because just because you're disagreeing with them, where you are actually trying to pull out that quiver of responses of, no, you said this, then this. And yeah, they're moving, they're doing shitty things like moving the goalposts and being making it all personal about well you don't understand it or you know you're blowing things out of proportion they're hurling insults at you they're not trolling and neither are you this is how i'm going to put it because i just recently had this experience where i didn't get to ask a question and i really wanted to and i would have been considered a troll you get the well you're not an expert you're not an expert in vaccines therefore you shouldn't talk about it I've been, I've been told this. <laughs> I, I've been told, well, you should leave it to the vaccine experts. Like fucking Mike Adams is a fucking vaccine expert. I want to know where the fuck his PhD is. I actually took classes 
in pathology and epidemiology. I kind of understand how some of this works. Plus the people who also understand how it works, like the people who make the vaccines, the people who test the vaccines, and the doctors and nurses who administer the vaccines know how they work. Right. And when you point out that vaccines have millions and millions of people who use them safely every fucking day. People should be falling left and right if these people are right about how dangerous vaccines People should be dropping like flies. Right, exactly. But like airplanes not. from the sky. No, wait. No, those are safe too. Never mind. Yep. <laughs> You're just a, a troll for big airplane, aren't you, Gary? That, yes, I am. <laughs> yes, I am. So, so the other thing is the original article basically said that these people are sadists and they have sadistic traits. And th- if they weren't on the internet, then perhaps that these could be shown in, you know, meat space. So, <laughs> well, yeah. It, it, you mean in real life? Yeah. Because it, meat space just sounds <laughs> really wrong, especially talking about potential sickness. Forgive him. He's had a uh, colonoscopy. <laughs> um, <Yeah. laughs> well, yeah, they exactly. did say that essentially the internet has given these people an outlet that they probably never had 20 years ago yeah. to no. express these essentially statistic traits of trying to really kind of hurt people remotely mm-hmm. and right. in a safe well, way, an anonymous way. At the same time, it's also possible that they don't realize really how their actions are affecting people because they you think they're just making jokes. Yeah. And so they, they, they get off on people getting pissed off at them. But had they been face to face and seen what could happen? Well, first of all, they might get punched with, they, they probably would never would have gone as far because they would have learned. Well, I think that there's one of two cases. They they either wouldn't have gone as far because they'd gotten punched or something, or they would have just gone total Ted Kaczynski. <laughs> could could be. Come on, let's. Yeah. No, 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 I agree, but I think the majority of of these people probably wouldn't. In fact, it's quite possible that you may not you may know an internet troll and not act, you know someone who trolls on the internet who actually is kind of nice in real life because they don't see it's like cyberbullying, you know yeah. uh which has been big recently because of people committing suicide because of the bullying you know when something goes online it's there for forever yeah and so it's it's difficult to to pull that back and with the anonymity of the internet as it currently stands which i think is a good thing because I think that you should be able to freely discuss ideas, whether whether you're for the idea or not. You know. Shouldn't matter who you are. Yeah. 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 Right. Well, the freedom and the anonymity of the internet, you should be able to post, I hate Justin Bieber if you work at a record company, on your personal blog, your personal space, and everything else. And not be worried about having to be fired for essentially expressing an opinion. Right. That anonymity, the your pseudonym on online, is almost sacrosanct, you know, because it does give you that outlet. But it's the, the quality of the message. It, there's a there's a big difference between going onto having your own blog or going onto a music site and saying, "I think ju- I think." Uh, what the Judas Bieber? No, <laughs> Judas Bieber. All right, we have we have our punk we have our punk band name. 
<laughs> I think Justin Bieber sucks and he can't sing versus I think Justin Bieber should be shot in the head. That is more the trolling kind of yeah. trying to provoke a response and also being physically threatened, which is closer to that cyberbullying yeah. thing, which you were mentioning, Gary. Right. Something that we can take from this study is if you understand that the type of people who do trolling are these Machiavellian, sadistic, psychopathy type people, then that might help in the future figuring out how to deal with them in some ways. Because in some ways, banning one person from from commenting may not have any effect. They'll just create another username sure, or they'll get off on how many times they've been banned and use that as a point of pride. Sure. They won't learn that their the behavior shouldn't be that way. And, and they still get some kind of feedback from it. Well, I but mean, if you understand that they're narcissists and, and Machiavellian this way, you might be able to deal with it in other ways that I can't think of right now. Sure. But, but sometimes trolling isn't necessarily the horrible, horrible kind because we have atheist friends on Facebook who are constantly laughing about how they're getting banned from Christian sites because yeah. they're trolling the Christian sites. Now, some of them do it by asking legitimate questions. And some of them do it by being complete jerks. Right. And there's a difference between asking legitimate questions and being a jerk. Right. But some you of them. You get the same response. Yeah, you get the same response. Right. You get the same response. <laughs> and that's the nature of. Yeah, that's the nature of people who own their sites. Sometimes you want to allow someone to say, listen, this is just a site for Christians by Christians. You can come and listen, but we we want this to be just a safe space for Christians or atheists sure. or whatever. But sometimes you want to say, listen, we're not going to ban people for having conversations between atheists and Christians because that's what our site wants to do. Right. But Ray you Comfort, to, for example. You have to say that right at the head. You right. can't but Ray Comfort pick and choose. Uh, claims to be reaching out to atheists. But when atheists respond, respond with legitimate gripes, legitimate points, and legitimate questions, they are banned. And now Ray Comfort on his reaching out to atheist site has said that you are not allowed to say anything bad about Yahweh or God, and it, you have to capitalize God, you have to capitalize Jesus, the whole thing. So it's up to him to decide what is, quote-unquote, bad about exactly. what someone could say Which bad about Which is fine, it's his site, but if he's... He's not again, being intellectually is, honest. <laughs> right. But again, that this, we've, we've taken a slight side turn. But the point was <laughs> that people do troll his site. But some people aren't trolling. They're actually trying to get have a conversation. But because they don't follow his, his rules, they're considered trolls and therefore they're banned. Yeah. Hopefully understanding trolls better through studies like this, which in enough, they said, was really kind of one of the first studies done on trolling might be a better way for people who want to run an honest website to have a way of being able to differentiate based on language and how something is done and behavior to better understand who to ban or how to... Who to ban! Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> or, or, or just how to treat people and how to couch your policies to say, this is what we will allow, this is what we won't, and this is why... And maybe things might get better. You don't have to completely ban all of debating topics like, was it Scientific American or something? Yeah. They yes. just said, no, no more comments at all, which kind of sucks. But at the same time, even people who aren't trolling, some of their internet comments are just 
lame. Right. Well, like, yeah. a, and a good majority. And of honestly, I think that like scientific- our local news TV stations. Oh my god! Yeah, but I think that Scientific American did it because they do have to employ people to sit there and read through all the comments and everything else. That money to them is probably better well spent doing something else. I think Scientific American's decision is purely economical. Mm-hmm. And if you're you, it, it really should be that if you've got. A topic like from something from a journal or even a, a magazine like Scientific American or something like that, where if you can really honestly refute what is being said in an article, do an, your own editorial and stand behind it. There should be at least some outlet for conversation there if they can do it. And, and things can be nice and fluffy and we can go back to watching cats on the Internet. Yeah, I'll scroll a cat video. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, um, I guess it's time to learn what we learned. What did learn we what, learn? Learn what we learned? Yes. Wouldn't that be relearning? Find, find out what we learned. What re-learning? were we supposed to take from this conversation? What indeed? Well, we learned that yoga mats might be tasty if cooked in a casserole for 60 minutes at 350 degrees, removing the foil at 45 minutes. <laughs> We learned once again that natural news is neither natural nor news. We learned that trolls are Nazi-loving, Machiavellian, fuck-headed, Obama-loving libertards with fat mothers, horrendous spelling, but amazingly all hold PhDs in whatever it is they're trolling about. <laughs> Fuckers. Did we learn anything about Copernicus? Oh, yes. We learned that Copernicus. Copernicus. So, no, we didn't learn anything. No, we absolutely learned nothing about Copernicus. (laughs) He he was a dog in the Back to the Future movies. (laughs) There you go. That's the most important thing to take from our discussion today. Exactly. So, uh, thank you, Greg and Donna, for joining me and joining us. And thank you, listeners, for joining us this week. Thank you, Gary and Donna. Thank you, Greg and Gary. Oh, and dear listeners. Yes. Yeah. Dear listeners. Creepy. (laughs) <laughs> Wouldn't be the first time. No. And it won't be the last. All right, so we'll uh we'll talk at you next week. Actually, I won't be here next week. I have more another procedure. <laughs> <laughs> but you're it's... finally getting circumcised. Yeah. Goo. <laughs> <laughs> yes, for religious reasons. <laughs> Uh, yeah, anyway, so uh, we'll, uh, uh, Donna and and Greg will talk at you next week. Sounds yes, good. we will. All right. Bye-bye. Bye. Okay. Bye. The Skeptic Wire podcast theme music is by Oscar Lawn with guest mandolin by Greg Perrine. If you've enjoyed listening to The Skeptic Wire, leave a review on iTunes or leave us a voice message via the PodPosted app for iPhone. Friend us on Facebook or follow us on Twitter at The Skeptic Wire. Follow our blog at skepticwire.blogspot.com or send us an email, skepticwire at gmail.com. You've been listening to The Skeptic Wire. really kind of lame transition yes it was a lame transition (laughs) for a lame story it accomplished its purpose um
hair in my mouth. I'm not used to that anymore. Yeah, I wonder where that came from, Mr. Full Beard Guy. <laughs> With a dog. I don't lick my dog very often. <laughs> hey, 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 what you do in the privacy of your own home is not for us to judge. Oh, thank good I don't have a cat. Otherwise, what I had said there would have been... Uh... Any less creepy than I managed to make it out to be? <laughs> bad girl. Bad Harpo. No peanut butter for you tonight. Oh, man. That was, that was going to be a crazy crap. Crazy cat lady joke on you today. And I can't remember what you had sent out. That... The the three stories on cats that I posted That's to our it. main Facebook That's page. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, sorry. Which is Vanny Hari, which I thought was a World War II spy, but I guess I was wrong. Um, she... uh, that would be the brother. Oh, okay. Or a brother or sister of Madi Hari. Ah, uh, there you go. Madi Hari. Whatever. <laughs> yes, that's exactly what I was going for. Thank you for explaining the joke. <laughs> okay. Go ahead. That was a little harsh. I apologize. Mm, yeah. That's okay, though. I'm good. Go. You <laughs> <laughs> fuckwad. I'm trying to collect my thoughts. And there are so few of them you know, that... Flitter, flitter, flitter go the thoughts. <laughs> Come here, he says, with his... Little thought net. <laughs> so, uh, Vanny Hart over at foodbay.com has been very vehement about saying. Hmm. Are the stories of. For, 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 God, I can't speak. This is your fault. <laughs> what the fuck did I do? Your inability to speak has been passed on. <laughs> Apparently, it's been picked up by osmosis. Or that would re require direct physical contact between Gary and I. And I oh, wireless, hey, Wi-Fi, honest, Bluetooth. Honestly, cannot remember the last time that happened. Not going there. I don't think we've ever had physical contact. I've probably occasionally <laughs> sh shooken your hand. Shooken? Yes. Shooken! That's an shooken. awesome word. Thank you for using that word. Shooken. Shooken. I shook your hand in the past, so shooken. Yes. Shake, shack, shook. English is a constantly evolving language. You understood what I said, so I'm 80% yeah. right. You're, so you're, you're, you're feeling justified in your use of non-grammatical... Power to the non-grammatics. No. <laughs>